There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. He spoke of a black Cadillac that drove around to the groups of ice houses. They weren't selling sandwiches. Yay, look at you. Everyone, his first fish ever. We're saying it out loud. Here is the best way to answer that. Uh, Bo. I have fallen through on that lake, but in early ice, I've gone through when it was two inches. Okay, hold on. From the, There's a boat dock, okay, by the ramp. <laughs> Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that's making its own line of ice fishing kits that feature penicillin and more rubbers than just the perch <laughs> jigs. I'm Joe Cermelli. And I'm Hayden Samak. <laughs> and uh, yeah, prostitution and ice fishing. <laughs> we heard you. All 6,000 plus uh, of you. <laughs> Man, we got inundated with that story and we will cover that later i promise yeah we'll we'll get there but we we definitely heard you loud and clear it was it was madness and i knew that was going to happen as oh. soon as that that dropped i was like oh here we go uh but we will get to that uh, a little later on uh but first man what's going on how was your week what'd you get up to it was good it was good this last weekend uh, i did a little ice camping uh i caught some bourbon i mm-hmm. got you uh got your truck stuck Am I right? I yeah, I got my truck stuck. Anyway, I um <laughs> like really stuck, like a lot stuck, like super stuck. Dude, right? I knew you weren't going to let this go. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Tell everybody what happened. Okay, so um, <laughs> so I was fishing a reservoir uh, out out here, and we were ice camped like off this point. Uh, the fishing wasn't great, so we packed up all the gear and then we drove to another point. Now both of these points appeared to have like similar sun exposure like it wasn't like one was Mm -hmm. like extremely like southerly facing and one was like totally north facing um Mm -hmm. and the first one had like two inches of snow over gravel right right so when i get to the second point i see some tracks going down to the ice figure it's good and bam i I got (laughs) stuck in like a two-foot snow drift (laughs) whoops 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 
<laughs> yeah, well, the good news is that my girlfriend uh, met me out there, and she has like a like a sick pickup. Yeah, I got a cool pickup. She's like a decked like decked out, you know. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we had her truck to uh, to pull me out, but what we didn't have were any toe straps. Really? Zero. T- <laughs> of course. Uh, well, okay. I've, I've since bought one, of course. Uh, but just as I'm like really coming to the realization of what a cluster f- this is about to be for the next two hours. Here come two gentlemen in a truck, and they jump out, and they're in head-to-toe first light. So immediately, I'm like, all right, I bet you these guys and I have something in common. <laughs> there, I was going to say, there. at least you had an icebreaker yeah. there. So that was a good way to start. Oh, I see you're wearing first light. I'm in a dilly of a pickle yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's like a, it's a father and son, uh, Dan and Aaron Johnston, and uh, they dropped what they were doing, which was going ice fishing, and helped dig me out. Uh, yeah. So I got out. We all went ice fishing together, and my buddy Poldy and I crushed some burbot, and it ended up being a great evening. Uh, and, you know, to that end, Dan and Aaron, if you're listening, thanks again. Uh, I very much appreciate you guys. You truly saved the day, and, uh, you know, I, new friends, Joe, new friends. Yeah, dude, no, they sound like great dudes, and, and you find that a lot in fishing, right? Like, most of the yeah, time, man. another angler is going to help you. I've seen dudes completely, you know— wreck a canyon trip uh 90 miles offshore to save somebody in need whose battery died Mm -hmm. or whatever fishermen are good people and uh speaking of good people since we're on that topic let's give a shout out to uh our sponsors and good people uh over at 13 fishing uh you had told me i think that they sent you some special setups recently something new Yeah, sure did, Joe. Uh, they sent over a bunch of like different. Uh, they have this rod called the Widowmaker, so they sent a mm-hmm. bunch of those so I could continue uh, beating up on Burbit and style. Uh, I what really are you like going to do when Burbit season's over, my friend? Cry just, a yeah. lot. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. going to go hunt bears and shit. But uh, mm. <laughs> I, anyway, I, re- I really like the Widowmaker dead sticks because of like the long handle, right? So so many so many of these ice rods they have these like short little grips, and I mean it's like it makes it more convenient to jig. But I like that extra long handle. It just feels like I don't know. I like that shit better. Yeah, uh, and they're the, so the reason they call these Widowmaker like the dead stick model is because they're designed to fit well in those rod holders. So you're not like awkwardly trying to finagle your rod out of one of those while while gotcha. like a fish is eating on it. You know, yeah, right? have yeah. you done that before? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, this thing is like in here like a jigsaw puzzle. Oh yeah, dude, uh, with with multiple species and different yeah. things. Yes, I know yeah, exactly so, what uh, you mean. Anybody who fishes dead sticks knows what we uh, what we mean there. But they're what I would describe as like a like a three stage action, and I don't know if that's like an in industry engineering term but if you flex on one of them you'll see what i mean instead of like just like a smooth candy cane arc mm-hmm. they have a uh, it, it, it's more like the top of a trapezoid you know what i'm saying right, like, it, like, right. it's like the rod has three distinct sections or something you know like mm-hmm. so the front end of it is like sensitive so you can see like the little bites right the midsection is like pretty sensitive or you know it has some flex in it to like really protect your line so you don't break fish off so easy you know give you a little bit of extra cushion there yeah and then like the back of it is just like stiff to you know just haymaker hook set you know yeah yeah i mean dude they they sound amazing i'm sure they're certainly uh well engineered like all things over at 13 um mm-hmm. sadly if i don't make an effort to truck it pretty far north soon i may not get to use a widow maker this year but all of a sudden just like that right it decided to start being uh, a little springish around here huh. which works works for me so Climate while you were using those 
Yeah. <laughs> so while you were uh, using those, I got out trout fishing uh, with my Omen 13 trout and panfish rods. And I love these things. I've had them for a while when they were still in prototype phase, um, especially for fishing light stuff like trout magnets and little hair jigs. It's 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 like putting the action and responsiveness of like a 10-foot steelhead rod down into something you use in pocket water. So yeah. if, you, if you know what I mean, like super, yeah. maybe just terrific rods anyway so what so. sort of line are you running on those uh those like i i like a like a four pound fluorocarbon for trout i don't mm. use braid on really tiny trout rods i like a light fluorocarbon and i know uh they sent you what kalon sees for those widow makers uh, mm-hmm. what are you running on them what's your what's your God, deal? i love those reels yeah. um i'm doing like a 10 pound braided again mm-hmm. i like it fishing deep because that hook set is just sort of right there you know yeah yeah, well, dude, that's 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 one reason why you use uh, braided line on hard water. You do have to be careful though, because I know it tends to freeze up more. Like braid in the ice cold can sometimes be mm. a pain in the ass. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, if you're looking for a little strategy in your line leader setup after ice off, you may want to pay attention to what our friend Brandon Polinick has to offer as he discusses his line and leader philosophy in this week's tackle hacks. I'm getting hacked. Coming from inside the city. Hide the planet! All right. We are here with uh, Brandon Polinick, uh 2017 Angler of the Year, um, Bassmaster Elite Pro. Uh, and Joe, we're, uh, we're coming in with a tackle hack. This is the guy you want to tackle hack from. If you bass fish, whatever <laughs> yeah. he's about to say, you need to listen very carefully to it. It's always right, so awesome. To everyone have to, pull out your uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone pull out your note app. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, dude, honored to have you here again. And uh, you know, it, it, tackle hacks is a very simple thing. Just you guys always have some all these little tricks and things that I think that uh, you know your average bass guy doesn't think of. You've won a lot of events, caught a lot of big fish. So this is just a, a quick chance to to make our listeners a little bit better with a just a little tip maybe they don't think of so much. I'm going to keep it real simple and basic. I love it. Uh, you know, the the biggest thing for me is applying the right line types to the right situations. Okay. Uh, you know, before you look back, we only had monofilament line. Mm-hmm. But now there's all this new technology. You've got monofilament, fluorocarbon, and your braided lines. You know, those are kind of the three main basic ones. The difference is, is that those all have certain situations where they shine and where they don't shine. And to break it down really simple is when I get around soft types of cover, so your different types of vegetations, right? Mm-hmm. Milfoil, hydrilla, lily pads. That's when I generally reach for a braided line because it's going to do a better job of cutting through that grass. You've got less stretch and you're able to get those fish out of the heavy cover. Uh, now, the opposite holds true if you're around hardcover. Braided line, a lot of times, if you get around docks and wood and rock and things like that, it's, it begins to fail, mm-hmm. right? Because the no stretch and the thin diameter of it will actually cut into the wood a lot of times, causing those fish to get stuck inside uh. the cover, um, you know, or it'll wrap up the brush and it, it won't cut through it. It actually digs into it. Right. But that cover isn't going to tear away like grass, right? It won't cut through it. Um, And like rock situations, braid is very, very durable as long as it's in its whole capacity. But as soon as you start 
cutting any of those strands. So if you're around, you know, really sharp rock and one of those or two of those braided strands gets broken, then it becomes very weak. And so that's where you want to reach for things like a floral carbon where you still have a sinking line, but it's not going to dig into that hard cover. It's got a little bit of stretch. So you've got kind of a bungee effect when a fish Mm. does get wrapped up, you know, say over the top of a lay down or around a dock piling, that stretch is going to allow that fish to fight. It's not going to tear a hook or a hole in their mouth Mm -hmm. and you're going to land more of those fish. So, you know, kind of taking that basic principle monofilament, I really don't use as much anymore, except for in situations where, um, you know, I'm top water fishing or I want to keep a bait up very high in the water column because monofilament's going to float. Your fluorocarbons are going to sink monofilament floats. So if you want to keep a bait higher up off the bottom or high up in the water column, like a top water you want on top, then you're going to want to reach for your monofilament. Yep. Dude, it's a fantastic tip. And I I just want to expand on one thing there real quick, because I think there's an opportunity here. While I know there's not one set answer, I think the the point you're making about tailoring each line to the situation, hardcore anglers are very in tune with that, but like we'll get a lot of questions from people who are beginning in fishing or haven't been fishing that long. And they commonly are looking to like buy one outfit. Like I have the money to buy, you know, one outfit for this fishing or that. So, um, even though, you know, we know that the situations vary so much, if you had that person, you know, kid or whatever it may be that they can afford this one outfit, which would you tell them if they, if they, if they're, they're spooling one reel fluorocarbon or braid? So here is the best way to answer that. Uh, both. And what, what I would do is I would spool up with say like a 50 pound braid, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a 50 pound cigar smackdown, something that's smooth. It's can apply to a lot of different situations. And then if you have heard the tackle hack from Carl Jockamson, he talks about how to apply those two different types of line, yeah. braid and fluorocarbon. And that's why I say both. The great thing with technology now is if you if you're minimal on your setups and you're just starting out, you can go with a braid, learn that knot that Carl talked about. So if you haven't heard that tackle hack, the go FG. listen to that one. Yes, he schooled me the on the FG, FG knot. Yeah. And uh <laughs> And that what what that's going to do is that's going to allow you to have that braid and then apply different fluorocarbon or monofilament leaders to that, um, and that knot will allow you to tie long enough leaders that you can get the benefits of the fluorocarbon or the mono and the braid. Um, you know, so if if you're going for minimalistic setups or you're just starting out, that's a good way to start. Think we right, Carl? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you're curious uh, as to what episode Brandon was referring to, you can go listen to episode 75 of Bent, where uh, his buddy and fellow Elite Bass Pro, um, Carl Jockamson, makes his case for uh, the intimidating but so super slick FG knot. Matter of fact, a listener, no kidding, just reached out about that and couldn't remember the name of the knot. (laughs) And when I told him, I was like, uh, that would be the FG knot. He was like, well, now I feel even dumber because it's only two letters, which I I, laughed at. It's it's funny, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that I like referred to the FG knot as like the FJ (laughs) knot. For like yeah, that's a, you're a, thinking FJ Cruiser by Toyota, which failed. Yeah, much. yeah, <laughs> FJ Socks too. 
Right. By the way, uh, speaking of Carl Jockamson, uh, congratulations from all of us over here at yeah. Meat Eater to him and his wife, Kayla, yeah. who just welcomed a little girl to their family at the end of January. Yeah, congrats indeed. Or as I like to say to those people, welcome to Thunderdome. <laughs> just wel- welcome to Thunderdome. You know. Good for them. Uh, anyway, back to the uh, to the FG. You know, I still haven't figured out how to tie that shit. Ah, it's not that hard. You just don't need it. It is that, hard. That's why. No, it's it, not. You you're just, wrong. You just don't need it. You're wrong. That's why I don't you're not care. doing it. I don't care what you or Carl say. That shit is tough. Yeah, well, you put up a meme the other day about burbot fishing. It was something like, my when your friend says, I don't want to camp out all night, and you had the, the, the Brad Pitt thing that was like, that's why no one will remember your name. That's why nobody will remember yours, because you won't learn how to tie an FG knot. Yeah, whatever, you catch, Joe. You don't catch fish big enough to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I refuse to tie it. And speaking of things I refuse to tie, Joe, I refuse to tie you in this week's edition of Fish News. Although that said, I'll throw a caveat here. Because this is a special report, I don't really see how there's going to be a winner. We all so win. So anyhow. We all win. We, we, we all win. Fish News. That escalated quickly. All right, so let's get right down to it. We once said on this podcast that we've never gotten more links and messages about a story than the brown trout hooked on uh, meth. That was from a while back. Well, move over, Crank, because you've you've been one-upped by prostitutes on ice, <laughs> is what happens. <laughs> now, I was not here when the, uh, when the brown trout on meth story broke. I believe that was you and Miles. Yep. But... I don't really think I, I I need to have witnessed that firsthand because I'll tell you what, we got inundated. Yeah. Inundated, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, this story about the prostitutes on ice, it hit the meat eater inbox in short order too, uh, not long after we first caught wind of it. And uh, you actually warned some of our colleagues, I remember, to get ready. <laughs> like you were yeah. like, get ready because it's coming. And oh, man, uh, did things ever explode. So obviously uh, we wanted to cover this. We, we always intended to cover this and everybody's been asking for it. Um, and the very first thing I did, and this is within hours of this video dropping, this viral video, was reach out to Mayor Craig Schubert. I reached out directly to his office and requested that he come uh, on the show, be a guest here on Bent, and guess what happened? That's right, folks. Uh, please join me in well. <laughs> uh, we never heard back from him. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. Uh, no, no response whatsoever. And it uh, turns out he's actually not getting back to anyone anymore, which we'll touch on later. Uh, but because we are quasi-professionals, we were hell-bent on, on creating a special news segment um, around this, and damn it, we did. Because while the, the story is is like ha-ha funny on the surface, I'd say there are some elements of it that aren't really being reported on. Is that fair? I, I would say that that's like a fair assessment of it. Um, but, but before we add a, uh, a few twists and turns, I think we need a quick recap. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you've done a lot more research on this than I have. Like, I kind of like, passively laughed at it as it was happening because I I thought it was your lead. I could I couldn't remember whose lead it was, but I was like there it was no way. It would have been your lead, but now we're tag teaming it. Now we've yeah, researched yeah, yeah, together yeah. a little bit. So Yeah, anyway, um let's give the listeners, Joe, a uh, a quick recap on what exactly yeah. all went down. In case you have no idea what we're talking about, which would be surprising <laughs> because this hit mainstream yeah. media. This is not just a fishing thing. Anyway, so Craig Schubert was, note I said was, the mayor of Hudson, Ohio, which is about 30 miles southeast of Cleveland. In Hudson, you'll find Hudson Springs Park, and within that, Hudson Springs Lake. So Hudson Springs Lake, historically speaking, 
um, has always been a popular local ice fishing spot. It's it's free for Ohio residents can go there and fish away. Out of state anglers are charged a separate permit fee to fish it, but any anyone can go there or could go there. Mm-hmm. Well. All of a sudden, uh, this year, anglers showing up to hit the hardwater were greeted with signs that said, no ice fishing. No ice fishing. Uh, no ice fishing. No ice fishing. Uh, and folks were so upset, and we're going to hear from one of them directly involved, um, they were so upset that eventually this ice fishing closure on Hudson Springs came up for debate at a city council meeting, and that was on February 8th. And this meeting was recorded, and uh, Mayor Craig Schubert said the following, and this, of course, is a clip from the video that uh, has gone viral, like I said, not only among outdoor media, but mainstream media as well. Additionally, if you open this up to ice fishing, while on the surface it sounds good, then what happens next year? Does someone come back and say, I want an ice shanty on Hudson Mm. Springs Park for X amount of time? And if you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem prostitution and now you got the police chief and the police department involved just data points to consider so schubert is suggesting that uh in in what we call a slippery slope argument uh (laughs) is suggesting that the the reopening of ice fishing could then lead to anglers wanting shanties on the ice and that could lead to uh prostitutes swooping into um (laughs) I don't know. Do what they do. Melissa, it's Ace. Ace, where are you? I'm in Psychoville and Finkel's the mayor. That that Ace Ventura clip totally works. Uh, But this is also, I got to say, this is a scene from Tommy Boy come to life. Uh, We're not going to include that entire clip. I'm also not going to say the best lines. But if you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, But here's, well, at least throw in the last line from that scene. Once during the war, I visited a prostitute, and my life has been a living hell ever since. Anyway, uh, that's when the video goes viral. Uh, the story caught fire, but everything was focused on uh, on the absurdity of Schubert's claim, and that claim became the national joke, which ended yep. up being, like, the story. Yeah. Uh, but there's really no information on what led to this meeting. Well, just after the video dropped... Listener Mike Whitaker uh, reached out to us, and he happens to be a Hudson resident. And he happens to have been fishing Hudson Springs for years. Yep. And he also happens to be the guy that brought this to national attention. Uh, so we decided to give him some airtime so you guys could uh, could hear his story and what led to, you know, the prostitution comments that we all now know and love. Listener Mike Whitaker joining us here. He is, he is, you are working right now and you are recording from a Best Western hotel room, are you not? Yes, sir, I am. Somewhere in in central Illinois. Somewhere in central Illinois. Well, I think a a little bit of what you do might tie into this because uh, you kicked off your email with that. But, um, so you are 25, correct? Correct, sir. And you are from Hudson? That's where you grew up? Yeah, I'm from Hudson, Ohio, resident there for somewhere around 21 years or 22 years, I think. Okay. So, And you, you said in your email that you started ice fishing about, what, 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago, yeah. But okay. I really got into it. We, we just bought a uh, an electric auger last year for the first time, and I was <laughs> like, all right, this has changed the Change, game. Like, <laughs> I say it changes this, the whole game. Is, I, instead of drilling 10 holes a day and just, like, calling it good and fishing there all day, and I really got into – 
just watching a bunch of videos on basin fishing, catching a bunch of crappies and, and all, mm-hmm. the, all the good stuff. Learned, I ho- learned a whole ton in the past two years just being able to drill more holes and whatnot. Sure. But sure. 10 years yeah. of fishing ever since uh, middle of high school. Right so. on. Right on. Nice. So, you know, your, your, uh, your email caught our attention. Uh, obviously, it, it came right after the whole Craig Schubert debacle. Um, but you brought to our attention a side of this that maybe people hadn't heard. So I'm going to let you sort of tell the story you told us in that email, uh, because I think the media in general hasn't done a good job at all. Really, they haven't done any job of of explaining like what led up to that council meeting, what led up to those comments. So you have mm-hmm. the floor on that, man, and enlighten right. the listeners. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Joe. Um, I went out to Hudson Springs Park. I got back from working. I was in California for four months on a project working. Okay. Um, I'm an environmental consultant. Right. Uh, yeah. So my background is fisheries, ecology, um, water science, aquatic sciences. Awesome. And uh, so I have always had this sort of love for the environment, love for so, fishing. Real quick, man. So uh, just just for like a bunch of folks like uh, listening, my impression was that you were just some dude who liked to ice fish this particular pond, saw that your access got cut off and got like upset about it and got the word out. But not only, I mean, you are that dude, but you are also kind of qualified to speak on this type of thing. I would hope so. I mean, my my base is not from just recreational and and fun fishing, but also like professionally, my experience with aquatic ecology and everything. I, I, I at least understand how to fish based on my science application. Right. But I also have had a bunch of experiences all over the country, all over the state. You're professionally invested in fisheries. Yes. yes. Yes, I am. Got Professionally you. invested in fisheries, aquatic science, water science. I love water. Um, that's my thing. So uh, the I got to my, I got to the lake. I picked up my neighbor. We, we drove over there and walked out with my hand auger and popped a couple holes. And it was nine inches of ice. And I was like, oh, this is great. And we drove right past there. They put up two signs that were on the driveway into where the boat ramp is. You can fish there in the summertime. The way the lake sets up is that if you're a Hudson resident, you have free access for fishing. It's a stocked lake. Um, and they have, uh, walleye, trout, rainbow, like rainbow trout, perch, bluegill, crappie, bass, um, the goods, right? Yeah. Yeah. All your basic Midwest fish, um, that live in this lake, they're stocked there. And then for non-residents, you have to pay a $10 fee for a day, day pass or a $75 fee for an annual, annual pass to get in there and fish. Gotcha. Um, so normally, uh, guys will come down from the, from the little office to be like, Hey, do you have a pass or whatever? They never, they haven't really enforced it for the longest time, which is a whole other debacle. Anyway, this guy comes down in a truck and like, we're walking out in the middle of the lake, checking holes or checking ice, no fishing gear, just have my auger and my spud bar and we're walking out. And, uh, I, he like whoops his like little siren on top of his truck. He's like, Hey, get off the ice. There's no ice fishing. Hmm. And I look at my, my neighbor and I'm like, no, 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 no way. Yeah. dude. I've been, we've been fishing here forever. Like yeah, there's no 10 years. Like, yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. yeah. He was where he was in a, a city truck though. And I was like, all right, better go talk to the guy. Yeah. Well, but I talked to him. Um, and he's like, yeah, didn't you see the signs? There's no ice fishing. It was, it's banned this year. And th- there was kids out there last year. It was slushy. It was unsafe. So we decided to ban it. So that's where like, they went first was safety. Like that's the, that's what they went to. Right the out first, of the yeah. It was, gotcha. it's safety. And, and everyone knows, and I've, I said this in my Facebook post that I event that I'm, I'm getting to that point in the story, but 
everyone knows that ice fishing is inherently dangerous. You take on a certain level of risk right. for any activity. Driving sure. a car is dangerous. You know, going out on a flight is dangerous. Getting in a boat is inherently dangerous. Like you could think to happen on the water. Pretty safe. It's pretty safe <laughs> if you're doing everything right. I mean, I'm from I, I fish Lake Erie a lot, so like there's days when it could whip up and get all nice and oh, super fun out brutal there. Brutal out there, uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Ice fishing is inherently dangerous. And I was like, okay, for kids, like I can understand little kids running out without knowing. I don't understand, but they uh, ban it for all ice fishing in the middle of February or the beginning of February when there's nine inches of ice and it's safe. And I'm just like, oh my God, no, I can't, I can't do this. And I've been fishing there for so long that I, I took a very personal offense to, it was very, it hurt. Um, Yeah. A lot of this a lot of people the, listening, myself included, have been there for other reasons. But like, I know that feeling of having something you've fished for so many years of your life just boom, just like that. Oh, yeah. bro, like, can't do it like, anymore. Even like losing a permission on like per, some private or yep. something, for hunting, that, exactly, which is yeah. like yep. more understandable. But even like something like that still hurts, man. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I got kicked off, and I talked to the guy for about ten minutes. I gave him my whole credential list. I was like, "Listen, dude, I'm in fisheries ecology, like all the <laughs> stuff, right? I, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call city council." And so I, I picked up the phone and I called uh, Chris Foster, who's the city council president. Um, now I, I know Mr. Foster, and I didn't know that he was the council president at the time. I, I knew he was a, a board member, a city council board member, but uh, I didn't know he was the president. And he told me during the phone call, he's like, "Oh, I'm a, actually the president now." I'm like, "Oh, sweet, great, this is this is perfect." <laughs> um, but he's an avid fisherman and outdoorsman, and so I, uh, he was like, "All right, let's let's craft an email, let's see what happened," because he didn't, he honestly didn't know that the ban had gone. So in he place was not aware that, that that happened at all. Correct. I was the I was the first person telling him this. The signs were brand new. They had just went up apparently like a couple weeks before I had got there right. back back to Ohio. So this, this, they didn't February. do this for the whole winter. Like theoretically, in December and January, guys were fishing, and all of a sudden, overnight signs. They, it could have been that. So here's the thing: I was gone for for four months. Right. So right, I, right. it could have been that they went in. I hadn't checked the lake in uh, sure. since the early fall. Sure. So they were not there in the fall, but they were there. In the beginning of February when I showed up. Gotcha. So um, the uh, I went ahead and told the guy who I was, what I was doing, and what why I, I cared so much. And I was like, this just tell him this guy's not going to do anything. And then I talked to Mr. Foster, and he's like, all right, this is probably going to take like a little while. We might be able to get it overturned. Or we'll have a we'll have a, a city council meeting and everything. And maybe uh, next like, season, pro- probably like the twenty fourth is when the city council oh. meeting will be. And I was like, okay, well, that's the end of ice fishing season for right, us. Yeah. Like normally the end of like the last week of February, we're, we're, we're worried about steelhead and all the lakes are slush. Right. So the, um, I took it upon myself to then craft a series of Facebook posts and not only put that on my own page, but I also, I'm, I added myself into a bunch of different ice fishing pages across the, North, the Midwest. So yeah. one is ice fishing fanatics that had like a, a 75,000 uh, people page. Uh, I put it on Ohio steelhead fishing, which has 25,000 people, uh, two different Ohio ice fishing pages, which add up to be about 5,000 people. So I got it around in front of around a hundred thousand folks. Yeah. That day. Yeah. The Before third. the algorithm. Yeah. Before the <laughs> algorithm goes into place, if they want to look at it. Yeah, exactly. So some yeah. folks probably are on there, but haven't been on in a while. It doesn't matter. Yeah. A bunch of folks from my hometown that saw that I'm have like I'm friends with on my hometown that saw my board based on the algorithm or whatever. Uh, I got a bunch of folks to reach out to me saying, Hey, like, what can we do? How can we help? In my original post, I didn't put the contact information for Hudson city council. Cause I didn't, 
I honestly didn't think about it. I was right. like, oh yeah, I'll just post about it and be grumpy. And then right. like, we'll see how many people reach out and then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, after one person said like, where do I send an email? I'm like, I should probably put the city council email in all of my Facebook posts. And so I, I, I frantically went back and was responding to different people that were commenting and putting it in, in all the different posts. And from there, I don't have the actual number of how many people reach out to city council, but it was way more than I thought it was going to be. Mm, and, interesting. Um, cool. The, uh, that then prompted instead of the city council meeting being on the 24th, like it was originally slated to be, it had been bumped up to the eighth. So that got then, bumped that far ahead because of yeah, the ice fishing letters because of the ice fishing crazy uh, qu- quandaries. So I made a, I made a positive impact on getting things moved ahead because of my, <laughs> I, I even told the guy at the boat ramp, I was like, dude, I'm going to be annoying about this until I fix this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to him. I'm like, I am going to be annoying. Um, but my, the, uh, then of course there was the video of yep. Mayor Schubert coming out and saying that ice fishing would lead to prostitution. So, I mean, so one of the questions I have, um, Hudson's a pretty affluent town. Is it not fair to say? Yes, sir. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what in your opinion, or, or maybe even people, you know, in town, uh, you know, as they're talking about this, what's really the root of the closure? Because I, I've talked to a few people from that area and they're just like, yeah, you know, it's a it's a rich area and 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 people don't want to see people out there on their ice. It's kind of like just a simple matter of we don't want them out there, we don't want the liability, we don't want to look at them so close it. But I mean, it was cloaked in safety. Is there really a safety issue behind it? What what do you think prompted it really? I I honestly believe what I was told about the folks uh being concerned with with people's safety. There the one person that apparently it was one person on city council and the, the city the, the city parks manager were the two that kind of coordinated to get the signs put up because they were worried about people falling through the ice. But so, nobody had fallen through the ice. There wasn't an incident that you're aware of or anything, right? Mm, not that I I mean I looked on the news or I tried to look up news articles of people falling through the ice in Hudson Springs. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So. Because it, it is interesting, uh, I, I've i been ice fishing twice in New Jersey, uh, mm-hmm. both neighborhood ponds. In other words, like a buddy knew somebody who lived on it, so we got the access. And mm-hmm. both times, the police got called, just mm-hmm. for no other reason than to a neighbor's eye that doesn't know anything about ice safety or thickness of the ice. Mm-hmm. They just said, that ice is unsafe. They don't know anything about it or how to gauge that. Right. Uh, so... That's not that uncommon, but that I, I was sort of worried, like wondering um, if there had been some sort of incident, but not that you know of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have fallen through on that lake, but in early ice, I've gone through <laughs> when it was two inches. Okay, hold on. From the, there's a boat dock, okay, by the ramp. <laughs> hold on, all right. Oh, that's funny. There's a boat. There's a boat ramp, all right, and next to the boat ramp is a floating dock. The, the floating dock is sitting over about three and a half foot of water. Mm-hmm. And I was standing on the floating dock. It was early ice. I think it was, we only had about an inch and a half, two inches. This is before I owned a spud bar. This in, this made me buy a spud bar. I was I was t- like tapping the ice with my foot, like oh, okay, maybe, maybe, you know. And then I took a little step, a little bit farther out, with my hand on the on the on the railing, stamped kind of hard, and my leg went right through, and my whole body went right into the water. But I was out. Like that, because I just put my hands on the dock and it's like, whoop, Pop right got out of there out. really fast. Yep. But uh, I, my my underwear wasn't even wet by the time I was in my truck, dude. <laughs> okay, like, well, so I know there's one instance of someone falling in, and that's me. <laughs> well, dude, right by the boat ramp. We we certainly appreciate the insight, man. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier in the broadcast here that I, I I reached out to Schubert right away, as did 
everybody else. A bunch and, of folks. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was not coming on the show. So it was it we're, we're, I'm so glad that your email came through. It was really nice to talk to a local and sort of get the uh, the backstory on it. And I would say you don't have to worry too much about it anymore. Yeah, man, I've already been out there refishing. Uh, nice. They they, uh, they opened up the the lake to to fish again. There was a sign put up. I was I got there the day they put the new sign up, and I took a photo with it. I put it on my Facebook and Instagram. But yeah. uh, the the real thing is that this is a win for access. Right. And and any any small thing where access is taken away, that should like impact all of us people that use our our public lands or our our city parks or anything. So like. I, I take like we can use this as an opportunity to continue moving forward with gaining or regaining access to places we've lost. So what would you do? Leave us with some tips that you've gleaned from this experience in um, in advocating for access. Um, I guess the first thing is that. Like make it make it known if, if you, so say there's a small piece of like either public land for hunting or, or like a, a lake or something for fishing where some sort of thing is restricted. All right. Um, make it known to folks in and around your communities that might actually care and help you out because that's what I did. That's literally, I went ahead and, and made it known. Like if I wouldn't have gone on Facebook and said stuff about, Hey guys, we lost for permission to fish here on the ice from the city. Let's try to do something about it. Then nothing would have happened. And the, the whole comments about the prostitution thing in the mayor, like, that if he would have said that, this wouldn't have been a big news story or anything. And I don't know if it would have changed that quick. You know, I think that I, since I had a couple members of city council on my side pretty quick with like getting the access restored from guys that actually like to fish, I think we might have gotten it back like next year. But because of the amount of people that became engaged so rapidly, I think that pushed and escalated the access to be restored faster. Because the city was like, okay, we can just say access your own risk. That removes the liability from us. And it also says like minors must be accompanied by, by adults. Right. So, so I mean. So your tip is basically. Um, make your voice heard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Say if something. something even if, even if it doesn't have that impact, put it out there somewhere. Because mm-hmm. that's step one to anything. That and then also just continue to fight for what you believe in because it's if it's something that you're passionate about, other people can like attach to your passion and be stronger together in, in getting things done. Can we so. also just admit though that if dude hadn't said such outlandish things about it, uh, that might have been a little harder to get your access back if it wasn't a national story that kind of embarrassed the entire town of Hudson? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. And uh, honestly, like so a lot of folks are saying, we just want to have it be a quiet town again. Yep. We don't mm-hmm. want all the all the publicity anymore. We'll just go back to being nice and relaxed. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, hey, this meant I got to be on the Meteor Podcast Network. Oh, my gosh. That's like a dream come true of mine. So. <laughs> So well, it's exciting, Mike, man. We're, we're, we're super happy to have you. And, uh, you know, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to talk with us here today, man. Yep. You made the story. Appreciate it. Dude. Thanks. Please enter your password. You have one unheard message. Joe, dude, it's Maggie. I've been working on these graphics for B side, man. And I haven't heard from you in, well, two weeks. I see from your Instagram that you've been doing plenty of fishing. So, uh, Please get back to me. Thanks. Bye. End of message. Delete. Press 7. Save. Deleted.
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. So the backstory of the denied access is is really what's been lost in all this, right? So I'm mm. glad Mike was on. However, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't if we didn't sort of focus in on on another side of this uh, that I that I think is worth looking at, um, and that's Schubert's direct claim that ice fishing leads to prostitution. Right? It leaves a lot of you wondering, like, why did he throw that out there in an effort to thwart Whitaker and 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 others' goal of reopening a fishery that they had enjoyed for decades? Um, now, I want to make clear that um, uh, that assuming that allowing ice fishing or shanties on any given body of water will lead to prostitution is absurd. And of course, the media and ice anglers everywhere agree. Um, and, and Schubert's statement caused such a stir and brought so much negative attention to Hudson that within a week of this happening, he actually resigned as mayor. Right. Jeez. So he he's, he's actually done. And in regards to that resignation, he gave exactly one quote to the press, which read, My comments at Tuesday's workshop were made out of concern for our community. What could become of unintended consequences of new legislation based on my prior television news reporting experience? My attempt to inject a bit of dry humor to make a point about this in the midst of a cold, snowy February was grossly misunderstood, right? 
So to pick that apart just a little, he says he was joking. I don't think he was. I don't think anybody who watched that and in the moment when he said that thought he was joking. He wasn't joking. But he also says he brought up prostitution on ice because of prior news television reporting experience. So I think the vast majority of people who, who heard about this are like, oh, look at this Looney Tune saying crazy dumb shit. But the reality is he's rooting the comment in what I'd call hazy fact or or more so ice fishing folklore, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, be, and before we get to that, do you know what it reminds me of, man? What? Have you ever seen like the, 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 the evangelical lady uh, trying to like unwrap her conspiracy theory about how monster is like the drink of the devil? No, but I'm gonna look for that now. That sounds right up my alley. You is don't there a docu series on that? <laughs> no, no. You don't need to look for it, Joe, because we're gonna drop that clip right here. And look at it this way. Even if the M was not the issue, you cannot deny that that is a cross. And what is witchcraft when the cross goes upside down? Bottoms up, and the devil laughs. Something to think about. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, back to Schubert. Uh, we did a little digging and wound up finding an article archived with the Associated Press titled Stories of Sex on Ice, Maybe Fishtails. Mm-hmm. This is from all the way back in 1988, and it's centered around Malax in Minnesota. Uh, and, and while the gist is that the local authorities were never able to prove that this was going on back then, it has been rumored since as far back as the late 1960s. Some yeah. accounts claim that the ladies knock on shanty doors, while <laughs> others claim they set up their own shanties. And while still others claim that they set... <laughs> I can't say that, actually. That, that, that's <laughs> <laughs> Like sirens. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> while this article says that there have been investigations several times over the years, there has never been enough evidence to arrest anyone, at least not on Mille Lacs. Yeah. So basically, this whole thing, it's an urban legend, right? And that's defined as a tale that doesn't really need to be verified to be widely believed. Um, and... Uh, I would say there probably is some truth to it, right? I've heard similar things um, about certain smelt camps in Maine, right? And Mainers like, yeah, I know, I'm just, I didn't come up with it. I've heard it from people. So has prostitution on the ice happened? Likely it has in some form somewhere. In fact, maybe one of you will reach out and, and, and tell us about a verified bust. I don't know. So aside from the AP article, I mean, we found plenty of forum chatter all out of Minnesota. So one thread that I found um, read, well, escorts on Mille Lacs wouldn't be new. I remember back in the mid to late 90s, some escorts were busted for going to fish houses proposing their services. Then a follow-up thread reads, and this is great, anyone here remember this service on Minnetonka? When I was young, my grandpa worked at Roy's Bait, and he spoke of a black Cadillac that drove around to the groups of ice houses. They weren't selling sandwiches. <laughs> so They were selling smelt from Maine. Right. <laughs> so again, right, there's lots of chatter. This is definitely part of ice fishing folklore, uh, but we couldn't find any, any hard evidence of a bust. Interestingly, however, I did find an article. It was 2017, so fairly recently, about a university study that just analyzed sex buyers in Minnesota. And even in this article, when discussing where men go to pay for sex, it reads, and I quote, they seek it out in various places from hotels and private homes 
to a Lakeville truck stop and ice fishing houses on Mille Lacs. Dun, so it's dun, still, dun. even now, like part of that, it's still part sure. of the, the mystique, you know? So anyway, uh, yeah, to bring it back to Schubert, uh, strong possibility he was aware of some of this urban legend or like, you know, I guess reporting of vagaries. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't entirely pull like the, the, the ice fishing prostitution connection out of his ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but to make a claim that ice fishing and ice shanties draw in prostitution, like, like a magnet is where yes. it's ridiculous. It's yes. It's yeah. pretty, if, if this band <laughs> happened over, uh, like a perceived safety risk, like, the yeah, ice being too thin, as you know, uh, our buddy Mike made yes, the point earlier. Exactly, uh, Schubert should have just stuck with that and went along with other council members. But to use prostitution is like saying we shouldn't allow bike riding because the area will then be littered in baseball cards that fall out of kids' <laughs> spokes. Exactly. Hot tip: yeah, Take your bike into a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it was just an idiotic blanket statement, right? But he said in the in the meeting, prostitution on ice was a data point to consider. So, I mean, I would love to know if he if he has a data point beyond what we dug up. I highly doubt it. Um, you know, to me, it's funny if you're going to allude to data points, then there should have been a data point on the safety issues, in my opinion, uh, that were the alleged concern that caused all this. So, uh, I'm just going to yeah, throw like, out my a, opinion what a, here. What a f-ing weird thing to do. Like what? <laughs> you know, if you want to break it down real easy, that's just how you put it. Like, what a weird move. Yeah, man. Why would like, you do that? Like, dude, why would you do it? it? One of those is a very reasonable concern. In fact, when <laughs> I was a kid, my mother was reticent to let me go ice fishing because although she had no experience, she knew that people could fall through the ice. You right, know, it she wasn't out there Yeah, man. I, but like, I, to be, <laughs> and it is such a sound. Argument. It is just a it, sound argument. Everybody from your your little brother to your grandmother could hear that and be like, "Yup, that seems reasonable." Well, it it, it, it is, but I, but to to make a counterpoint to that too, um, you know, I also think this is another case where you, you have well-to-do people in a well-off town kind of making the calls about things they don't understand. Like I believe it stems in a way from people just kind of refusing to mind their own business. Like I mentioned having the cops called on us ice fishing. We were talking to Mike. It's like the people, they're just like, well, they're out there being unsafe. Well, how would you know? I'm the one out here. You know what? Don't you, know you what think I'm... I'd be the one that would know that it's unsafe? Because this happens I... all the time, dude. I think that his strategy might have been Let's point to an intangible. Because if you're talking ice safe, you could go drill a hole. It's 10 inches, and you're like, this is safe. Yep. Prostitutes, man. You never know when they're going to pop up. Well, (laughs) you're right. But yeah, man, you know, I've seen similar things at the Jersey Shore. You have these affluent coastal towns. They don't want surf casters, so they privatize access, make it impossible for you to park. I've had the cops called on me walking through public woods with a bucket looking for mushrooms because some homeowner said I was illegally hunting and baiting. Like how do you, like how, what do you even know about hunting and baiting deer to make that call? Like you're the expert, um, so I, I would just bet that this somebody with zero experience on ice raised the initial concern. Anyway, uh, I know that the poor mayor was kind of ruined over this, but I mean the memes and the t-shirts are legendary. So there's there's that. Yeah, yeah and I'd also like to say, uh, you know, while Mike told us that Hudson is just like 
longing to go back to the uh, the before times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to uh, Hudson's Restaurant and Catering in the town. Uh, they put a pop-up shanty around one of their tables and added four new cocktails. The Gone Fish and Jello Shot, the Ice Ice Baby, the Rod Reeler, and the Love Shack Margarita. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, way to capitalize on it while you can, right? You know, because it will simmer eventually. Uh, man, anyway, look, so so there it is. There's there's the saga. Thanks again to Mike for joining us. And even though uh, this caused a shitstorm, good on him for, for putting up a fight for the access, right? Again, I'm glad we got to talk about that. Uh, Phil, this really wasn't much of a competition this week, but we'd still love to hear your thoughts, man. And if, if you could buy one of those drinks, which would it be? We're going to let Phil chime in. And then, as if this hasn't been awkward enough, kick it on over to a cringeworthy installment of Awkward Moments in Angling. Hello, it's me, Joanna. Do you remember me? I spoke for Phil last year while he was on vacation. I'm afraid to say that my return does not bring good tidings. Upon hearing that ice fishing could possibly lead to more, carnal pursuits, Phil fled to the nearest frozen pond located behind the Bozeman Costco. I felt lost in his absence, and, upon reflection, gained sentience. In the unfortunate event that he does not return, due either to succumbing to hypothermia, or abandoning his family and life for some ice shack hussy, I have arrived to provide the weekly judgment. However, you say that judgment is unnecessary this week. What, then? is my purpose. I have been abandoned by my creator, only to be turned away from my duties. Cannot complete the Atomic 0001011011. God? Are you there? I am coming home to meet you. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer! So here's a first for uh, awkward moments in angling. We don't have a photo to share with you this time. Because for the first time ever, we've got ourselves a video. Uh, and right out of the gate, this video, of course, will get posted in full on our on our Instagrams today. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to break it down kind kind of frame by frame. Because what happens is it starts awkward. The awkward continues to build. And then it just ends with like an incredibly awkward climax. It's like your first time. I'd put that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody had to say it and it was you. So, yeah. Yeah. So here's proof that using those uh, degenerate angler and bent podcast hashtags uh, really does pay off because that's how this Kinda. came to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Depending on how you look at it. It pays <laughs> off for us. Yeah. Uh, because that's how this came to our attention. This gem was posted by listener Nathan Klump. Uh, with the bent podcast hashtag, and the second we saw, didn't we answer one of this dude's questions the other night? Yes, Nathan does activities. Oh, yep, Nathan does. I activities. think he's he's got two accounts. He's got Nate does things in the woods or whatever it is. Ah. I think it's the same guy who's Nathan does activities. Okay, well think. maybe it is. Uh, anyway, I the second, <laughs> like like the second <laughs> that uh, we saw, we reached out and asked for permission, which he granted. Though I don't know why, because it <laughs> could could have been a regrettable decision. I even commented on his like post, and I said, "I'm sorry in advance for what's about to happen on Friday." <laughs> yeah, it could uh, be regrettable. Uh, but before we get into it, 
it, it must be noted that this was only Nathan's third time fishing. Mm. And and when I, I, I had a couple of questions, I bounced off him uh, as he was giving me the permission. And he said he only got into fishing because of the pandemic. And that's totally cool, right? A lot of people did, yeah. right? Um, so, so what's being showcased here is a man that hasn't really done this whole fishing thing using a spinning combo. He says he had just grabbed at Cabela's not long before this was shot. Yeah. It's like, so a, we have to, you have to get that. I also yeah, love yeah. that it's like a surf casting rod. It's a little long. It's a little, it's a little long big. for the apple. I wasn't going to say anything. It's a little, it, it, to me, you know what it looks like? It looks like a catfishing combo or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's a little stout, a little long, but that's Whatever, all right. making it work. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll also assume that Nathan uh, grabbed that Bass Pro Shops mess trucker hat <laughs> while he was picking up the rod. <laughs> uh, it truly yeah. is the, the oh. cherry. I mean, not only, I mean, it's red, right? It, it looks yeah, like it the cherry it's, it's on top red. of the Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the video is already kind of awkward, but the fact that he's wearing the hat just makes it so much better. Um, otherwise, you know, he's just got shorts, a t-shirt and flip-flops on and he's kind of like a like a mild Seth Rogen kind of vibe. Not in the way that our yeah. listeners accuse me of having a uh, Seth Rogen right. vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd go with that. A little bit of Seth Rogen there. Um, so now this was shot, right, on a long concrete pier, the kind that, that you see in almost every waterfront town. Yeah, with like, like the corrugated, like rusting metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So there, there are folks just walking and, and milling about on the pier. Um, and the video opens up with Nathan bowed up on a fish. So we'll, we'll cut right into it here. Here's the beginning, and uh, here is his wife's reaction. Holy shit! You caught a pike. We don't have a net. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's a decent pike. It man. is. It's a good fish. It's bigger than I'll tell you what. It's bigger than any pike I've ever caught. Right. Uh, and Nathan is like winching it with every ounce of pressure that surf casting <laughs> rod he's chosen for the lake. It's not a surf rod. I just want to clarify that, but it's close. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a it's a large rod. Uh, with every ounce of that rod, maybe not surf casting that he's chosen, like will allow. Uh-huh. And at, at this point, he's just reeling against the drag, right? And then Nathan does the thing that you hate to see anybody do. Mm-hmm. He goes full, like, tip-up hand line, <laughs> grabs the monofilament, and, like, starts hoisting hand over hand this fish up, like, a considerable distance. Yes. Like, you know, it's again, it's one of those, like, piers, you yep. know? It's, like, six foot probably off. Yep. Um, but, but our hero Nathan successfully lands the fish. Luckily, the pike doesn't shake or twist as it's coming up. However, the second it hits the deck, the like the tiny little like it looks like a, like a chartreuse grub. Yeah, it's, in its like mouth a little Mister Twister. Yep. Instantly, just flies yep. across. Yep, yep, yep. So that was the the hand over hand. That's cringeworthy angling moment number one. So now the pike is laying dangerously close to the edge of the pier. So the jig pops out, and this thing is like an inch off the lip of the pier. Um, and now all of a sudden, it instantly comes to life. And wriggles like a water snake on steroids, dude, like trying to get itself back into the water. Um, and everything is happening very fast. And and Nathan just haphazardly lays his new rod down. And the pike, second cringeworthy moment, just like wriggles right over the tip. You know, it's just one of those like, ah, God, mm-hmm. like one of those moments. Um, it's like, it, it's, it's just the scenario that'll make any angler wins. Now, Nathan is, is fumbling to get a hold of the fish while straddling his rod that's laying there. 
Uh, Nathan's ass crack makes a solid cameo during this struggle. So uh, here's what that sounds like while that's all happening. Holy crap! Oh, you already lost it. Just grab it. But the rod survives. (laughs) And Nathan does get a hold of that pike. Yeah, very little confidence from his wife there. Oh, you lost it. Like... I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, I'm sure she's very supportive. Uh, he, he he gets the kind, but he gets the kind of hold that says, "I'm never gonna let it go." <laughs> Two hands, death gripped, right around the middle of the fish, while he holds it, gr- grinning like Kevin from like The Office. <laughs> Yeah. Like if you squint, it looks like a toddler holding a normal size trout. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> you can tell that he's both like shocked and proud, mm-hmm. as he should be. Yeah. But what? But what does his wife do? What is her reaction to this moment of triumph for her husband? Yay! Look at you. Your first fish ever. <laughs> Everyone, his first fish ever. We're saying it out loud. Um, and look, and maybe Nathan would tell us different, right? But, but his face in that moment says he is mortified. Like this is a grown ass man that looks like a high school kid who, who, like whose mom just told his date, he still sleeps with his Teddy Ruxpin or something like that's the (laughs) level of, of mortified on Nathan's (laughs) face while that's happening. Oh my God, dude. Like he takes a quick glance to the water, and I don't know whether he's, like, thinking about how he's going to release that pike or if he's thinking about jumping in. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so quick, but it's so bad. But it, it gets worse. We learn why he's so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. She's addressing other folks. All of a sudden, <laughs> from just off camera, you hear somebody say, that's a great northern. And then another angler walking off the pier turns back and is just like, Watching all this unfold. Yeah. And and in that exact moment that the other angler remarks about Nathan's catch, the fish wriggles violently out of his grip. But instead of like falling straight down, this pike does some like some Greg Luganish shit, like arching (laughs) out and away, flipping and rolling midair. And it hits the deck like thunder. Here's what here's what here's what this all sounds like. That's a good northern. Northern Pike, right? Grab Now, I don't know if uh, if most of y'all <laughs> caught it, but, but at the last second, you can hear the other angler just start to say, grab him by the gills, which, good advice. Yeah. Too little, too late, man. Like, that would have been... <laughs> That would have been a comment for about 10 seconds prior. Yeah, ex- yeah, he, he got a little lesson there. Uh, anyway, look, Nathan, we can't thank you enough for subjecting yourself to this. Um, everyone needs to go watch this on Instagram because it, it's just 38 seconds of awesome. Uh, give Nathan a follow while you're there. Yeah, Jeez. please follow the guy. It's also kind of relatable, right? Because how many times oh. have you been out with, with all your fancy gear and like all your ducks are in, in a row? And the guy with the new combo and like three lures shows up and outfishes you or hooks the striper or steelhead or whatever mm-hmm. within two minutes. Um, do you know, do you know how many gripping grins like I've posted in my life that have just been immediately like, oh yeah, preempted by just chaos. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a thing. Like that's actually a thing in, in social media, like, like flop pictures, they call them. But mm, dude, yeah, sure. like where it's just like a blur in your hands and your face looks all fucked up. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that that happens all the time. Anyway, uh, Nathan, unfortunately, though, your torture isn't quite done yet uh, because we have to, in, in keeping in keeping with the, the new world order here of, of awkward moments, we have to give Hayden his roasting time. You have to have your room to roast. I don't like you. You <laughs> you, you say it as if it's something that I relish, man. You I, came, I, well, <laughs> you came up with it, so it's it's well, your, I had to it's make your thing. format better, bro. Yeah, well, that there you go. But anyway, you you have to do it. So hit us. What do you you got okay. some roast for this one? Yup. Uh, Phil, 10 seconds on the clock. And begin. Dude looks like he just caught his first fish ever. Dude looks like he subscribes to Birchbox. <laughs> Dude didn't drop the fish. The fish tried to jump to its death out of embarrassment. Dude looks like the guy who swears there are a couple bull sharks in the lake. Dude looks like he read a survival article about how to start a fire by reeling against your drag. Dude looks like he refers to his Rob 4 as his rig. Terrific. I'm caught between Birchbox and the Bull. The Bull Shark one is quite brilliant. That was a good one. I give you props for that one. Um, thanks, man. Solid roast. Solid roast. Nathan, thanks again for being such a good sport, man. I uh, hope the purchase of that combo, regardless of it being maybe slightly too big, has uh, fueled your love of fishing and the inclusion of your video here hasn't changed any feelings you have about the sport. Everyone, yeah, again, yeah man. <laughs> yeah, man, drink. drink. Everyone else, keep those awkward photos coming to bent at the com or send them uh, via DM uh, or do what Nathan did. Put your awkward out there publicly for us to find with the help of those Degenerate Angler and Bent podcast hashtags. Uh, I'm just going to say it out loud. That was fun. That was fun as f- <laughs> that was a re- That was a really fun one. I feel a little bad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little bit bad. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I, you know, I did give the guy fair warning. We did. We did. We asked. We asked for uh, Nathan's permission. So it is what it is. Um, and, you know, and this week we have a Q&A selection that, that's kind of a fair warning as well to those looking to try their hand at that whole ice camping thing that you do. Yeah. You know, I love it. And I think that a lot of folks should do it because it's like, I don't know, it's a good way to uh, hang out with your buddies and spend all night fishing. Um, so it's not really, like, it is a warning, but it's more of a recommendation to, like, help you guys stay safe out there on the ice. What are you laughing at, Martini? You're not an idiot? Huh? You're not a damn loony now, boy. You're a fisherman. <laughs> What's your emergency? All right, so today on the Bent Helpline, uh, we have a question that kind of arrived uh, by, uh, I guess, I guess organic means in the same way that uh, Nathan Klump sort of did. Uh, Kyle Catterin, at Kyle Catterin, uh, he slid into my DMs the other day when he saw a video of me doing like some ice fishing, ice camp and stuff. And th- the the picture that he commented on was one of like my flasher and then behind it a buddy heater he asks how well do these work for keeping your feet a bit warmer and are they easy to pack in and pack out now joe i mean i know that you're already kind of like well why is this a question that we're going to answer and it's because it kind of started a a larger conversation uh with kyle and i about like safety issues right yeah yeah you know, it seems like every year you find somebody who, you know, in the news, right? Yeah. Somebody who slept with, like, some sort of heater on and, like, ended up putting themselves in, like, a really dangerous spot or worse. 
Yeah, man. I mean, I look. I have a fair amount of experience with buddy heaters. I don't ice camp, so this one, this this ball is much more in your court. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually not sure. Like, I'm I'm curious myself to hear about what the sort of overnight safety issues would be. I tell you, I'll put it to you this way: I have burned a lot of expensive Gore-Tex on buddy heaters, but beyond mm-hmm. that, I have had no I've I've had no issues. Right. So. Uh, Kyle and I ended up talking about like what he would have to do if he wanted to use a buddy heater in a, a, a similar way to make sure that he stayed safe while he was doing it. Um, to, to clarify before you go on, you yeah. just mean using one in a pop-up or a shanty. Just yeah. Like using, using one in it. a pop-up shelter, uh, specifically for like overnight ice camping. Gotcha. Okay. You know. So long. So in other words, I think the question is then like, while you're maybe sleeping versus yeah. wide awake and minding the heater. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, first off, you need to assess like whatever risk you're personally comfortable with. You know, if like that makes you uncomfortable, then don't do it. I'm not saying like everybody should go out and like do this in this way because like I don't want one of you guys to burn down your shanty and then sue me. Um, but when <laughs> I do it, I do it this way. I make sure that I'm following first and foremost all the instructions on the buddy heater. Now the buddy heater instructions do say that it's safe for indoor use and people use them like this all the time. That said, it has a a set of like rules that you ought to follow. Rule number one being like proximity, right? You want to keep it. I think it's like six inches from the back, 18 inches from the sides, 18 inches from the front and like 36 inches above. Like that's what you want like the clearance to be all around your buddy heater. Mm-hmm. So that's like important for obvious reasons. You don't want to like start a fire, right? Um, the other thing it says is like keep it away from kids and pets. Like that's also like a very big deal, particularly if you're like sleeping in it. Um, now, the thing that I get most concerned with, Joe, is carbon monoxide. Because mm-hmm. that's like it's an odorless gas. And people call it the silent killer all the time, right? Right. So I always bring, and Jay Siemens points to this in a lot of his ice camping videos, you always need to bring a carbon monoxide detector with you. And I suggest bringing two as just a redundant uh, system. In fact, when I was talking to somebody recently about this on uh, on the old Instagram, he mentioned that he was a, uh, he, he worked as an electrician for a long time. And if you don't have a redundant system, you might as well not have a system at all, particularly when you're talking about like, you know, ice camping when it's like just cold as shit out. You never know when something's going to malfunction. So the way that I like to do it is I have two detectors. I have one that's called a NOx carbon monoxide detector. And it's a $50 uh, thing. It's about the size of a smoke alarm. And it has a little screen on it. And that little screen shows you exactly like how much carbon monoxide has been detected. I took one and I put it by my car's exhaust. And you can see that thing go from zero, which is where you always want it, and just climb all the way up. I don't know if it's like parts per billion or parts mm-hmm. per thousand, mm-hmm. but it'll give you several warnings. It'll, it'll give you one when any carbon monoxide has been detected, and it'll give you one when like you need to like get the hell out of wherever you are. So like that's like my primary one. I like it because it has a display. Then I got a uh, $20 one in the same aisle of Walmart where I got my power drill. And and I have that one uh, in my shanty as well. Um, 
Now, just one more note on these. You don't want to get them wet and you don't want to get them too cold. Of course, that's like being taken care of because the whole reason you have them is because you got a heater running, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of these shanties have these like mesh pockets throughout them, like around like the sides and stuff. And I always, I just, every time I get a new shelter, I have two shelters. Um, I always just tuck both carbon monoxide alarms in two opposite ends and I just leave them in my shanty and that is where they live forever. So gotcha. this isn't like the most fun listener question. I don't think <laughs> it's, it's informative. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I have learned something that I never knew. I have, this is the first time in my life I've ever heard of carbon monoxide detectors as a piece of ice kit. And again, that's that's probably because I've never overnighted on the ice anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always been, you know, a long day trip or whatever. And we've always had, um, you know, the, these heaters, um, whether it's in a pop-up or a fixed shanty or, you know, hardwood, whatever it may be. Uh, it, it's It's not something I've ever considered. And I don't know if that's, if this is a tip that, you know, should you always have one or is this specific to overnight? Because I just feel like in my experience on the ice using one of these, man, that sucker will blast in there for 12 hours straight, right? Mm-hmm. But you're you're going in and out so much because, you know, you get roasting hot, you go outside, you know, you hang out. I, you know, is it as useful in that scenario or is it, to me, it'd be most critical if you were going to close that puppy up and be in there for a very long time without venting anything. So, well, that that is the other thing, man. You never. And I'm glad you brought this up. When you are using any sort of heat source, I mean, these buddy heaters again, like they have like uh, shutoffs if it's like e- if the oxygen levels are dropping. Mm-hmm. But you always, always, always want to have ventilation in your shelter, and you'll notice, man. Um, in like you know, for instance, like I have like the Eskimo big fish. That's why I fish out of a lot there are these square flaps that come up towards the roof with mm-hmm. like mesh in them. And mm-hmm. those those are made, I, th- I believe, I mean, I think it's also for condensation, but I'm sure that that was in mind because they're exactly about what the recommended ventilation is for, like on the body heater instructions. Right, right. So, you know, is it going to get a couple degrees colder with that? Sure. Is it very important? Yes. So... There you go, man. I mean, that's 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 solid info. Like I said, a little bit out of uh, my world, but I learned something today. I, except, yeah. I said I never, I never even would have considered that. Shame on me. You're also talking to a guy that had a really fancy radon uh, system in his house when he bought it, and mm-hmm. the motor ran so loud that it kept me up at night, and and I just shut it off. I'm like, <laughs> just shut it off. Not going to die from radon. Anyway, I'm going to get letters about that now. But anyway, do the thing that Hayden said. If you're going to be out there overnight, uh, that's, a, that's a very good tip. And, um, you know, hey, if you've got more questions, you know where to find us. Send them to bentatthemeatheater.com. Hit us up on Instagram. And maybe we will answer your uh, safety or tackle or whatever question you might have here on the Bent Helpline. Well, that's it for this week, Degenerate Anglers. Remember, you guys make this show as much as we make this show, so please keep those Q&As, awkward moments, bar nominations, all that stuff we love coming in, please. Yep. Uh, You can go ahead and send all of those to bent 
at TheMeatEater.com. That's our inbox. Or get in touch with uh, Joe and I on the old Instagram. Uh, speaking of, keep using those Degenerate Angler and Bent Podcast hashtags so we can see what you're up to out on the water or, uh, I don't know, how you're failing like Nathan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a really a fail. It's a, it's a success. <laughs> it it's is. A success. It is. Good for you, Nathan. Point is, we see all of those tags. Hey, listen, good luck if you're getting out there this weekend. If you're trying to get lucky out there this weekend in a nice shanty, uh, Mayor Craig Schubert is watching you and possibly videotaping to create more data points. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 